welcome back to my podcast, Candle in a Dark Room. So today I have a special guest and her name is Alex. If you came to my podcast launch, she is the, one of the founders of Clone Apparel. And they have leggings, workout gear, all of that. Well, she has an amazing story and so I invited her here today to talk about it. This month is Suicide Awareness Month and so I wanted her to come on because unfortunately she had dealt with suicide a couple of different times. Um, she lost her husband to suicide as well as her best friend. So I'm going to kind of just let her tell her story and we'll go from there. So Alex, welcome to my podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So like she said, I am Alex Rodriguez. I have struggled with mental health and suicide my whole life. And then my husband and like you said, best friend have also committed suicide. I've had family members commit suicide and then I, it's just a ripple effect. So you always know someone who has dealt or been in a situation regarding this. Right. So I met Carlos when I moved to Utah from Idaho and it, I was a senior in high school and I moved halfway through my senior year and became friends with the group of friends that was also friend with Carlos. And then a few months later, then he and I started dating. When we first started dating, he told me about that he had depression and that he took like meds to help him with that, which mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's awesome that you're like trying to help yourself and right. deal with it in a healthy way. And then as soon as we started dating, I noticed that he was always like really angry, really depressed, really sad all the time. Mm -hmm. And then probably six months to a year in, he, we were together and he tried to commit suicide. He like tried to overdose on pills and I reached out to his mom, I reached out to his friends, I tried to get everyone involved and let them know that what was happening. And we dealt with it that way. And then he had tried to do it probably three or four more times throughout our relationship. So we were together for eight years. And then our relationship wasn't perfect. We It was actually a really bad, toxic relationship. Like It was super abusive. No one was ever faithful. So it was just a battle of that all mm -hmm. the time. And then we were married in August of 2016. And then, so we had a daughter before then in 24, December of 2014. Okay. And so she was two and we got married. After we got married, the abuse started getting bad again. And he started doing stuff in front of my daughter. And so I chose to leave. And when I did, then he started like talking about suicide and stuff again and about how he didn't want to be here. And I like tried to get him to stay. I came home one night to him trying to hang himself. Oh. And so I like threw away the rope that he tried to use, told him that I loved him, that his daughter needed him here. And then a month later, he was successful with hanging himself. After then, my friend, one of my good friends, Kylie, flew home from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it. I told her all about what Carlos had done and what he did. And then she went home, and 20 days later, she did the same exact thing. So when Carlos did it, what happened? Like, do you know what led up to it that day or kind of what triggered it? I just think it was a lot of things. So I had moved out of the house. I was living in my own okay. apartment. We were separated. I had started dating someone else. So then he like made a post on social media about me dating someone else. And then two days later he had okay. hung himself. Did he let you know anything before? Did he? No. Well, so contact you. he had tried. So leading up to it, he would like say things about how Evie and I were better off if he wasn't here. Mm -hmm. And 
I would try to reassure him that that wasn't the case. And then he would always ask Evie and I to go and see him at the house. Okay. And I always just had a really uneasy feeling like I didn't want Evie and I to be alone with him. Uh-huh. Just, I don't know if it was fear out of what he would do to all of us if all of us were there. or. Right. But then I would like reach out to his friends and family and tell them, hey, he's struggling, he's texting me, can you guys, like, go check on him? Mm -hmm. And then it was almost like it was my fault that he was that way, and I was his wife, even though we were separated, so it was my responsibility. Or, he's been like this for years, it's fine. And I'm like, well, he's, like, tried this before, so why am I the only one responsible for it? Responsible for it, and, like, I don't know. So it was just... Is that kind of the reaction you got from people, like, that it was kind of your fault, you didn't... Yeah, and always, so throughout the relationship, so Carlos was physically and mentally abusive. Uh And like I said, we weren't, it wasn't a healthy relationship. Like, we were never faithful. He was the way he was. I was the way I was in the relationship. And Mm -hmm. so people, because we weren't faithful, they, I don't think, ever really took me seriously. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, you did this, so he's going to say Mm -hmm. this or do this. So I guess maybe they didn't think that I had anything to stand behind or like... So it was just really hard. And then... So did you find him? So the night before it happened, or the night it happened, we don't really know if it was the night or the next day that it happened, mm-hmm. but um, I went and picked up Evie, and he, when I got to his mom's house, because he was staying at his mom's house. So he had seen her before? his daughter the night before Mm -hmm. okay yeah so he had her the night before and I went and picked her up and his truck was on outside which I thought was weird so I was like you're staying with your mom like why where are you going why is your truck on and he didn't say anything he just like stared at me and I was like okay well kiss Evie I'll put her in the car and then I remember um he went to the passenger side to put Evie and he kissed her and like started walking around the front of the car and I was standing with my door open at the driver's side And I remember just, like, staring at him, like, feeling uneasy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Carlos. And he just, like, stared at me. I was like, Evie loves you. And he just, like, nodded. And then I wanted to say, I love you too. And I didn't say anything. I just got into my car and started driving. And then he got into the truck and started driving. And then the next day I was supposed to drop Evie back off with him so I could go to work. And I texted him, called him. I didn't get a response, which I thought was weird. Mm-hmm. And so then, after a couple hours of no response, I texted his mom. I was like, hey, have you heard from Carlos? And she was like, well, no. So then I knew that something was wrong. was wrong. So I got into my car and started driving to our house in Stansbury. And I remember his mom calling. he had a house. That's what he was yeah, so living, we, but he was staying with his mom. Yeah, so we had a house in Stansbury, and then I okay. moved out. So then we were going to sell it and just... Get okay. rid of everything we and had together. With his parents. Yeah, and he okay. was staying with his mom. So I started driving out there, and his mom called me and said, I have a key. Do you want the key to get into the house? Because I'd like, given all my keys back. Mm. And I told her that I had one, even though I didn't, because I knew that... You were going to need it. Well, I just... I knew that he had done something, that he was either dead or didn't want me there, so... My, as soon as I got off the phone with her, I called Stansbury Police Department and told them to meet me at the house. You just knew. Like, yeah. you just knew something. Like I knew something was off. Was off. And, um, so I dropped Evie off at one of my friend's houses and then I went out to the house. And when I got there, his truck was in the driveway. So I knew he was there because he didn't ever go anywhere yeah. without his truck. So... 
I tried to get into the garage, but he had disconnected the, like, garage mm-hmm. thing that pulled the motor. And then I tried to get into the front door, but it was locked. And all of the blinds were, like, drawn. Mm-hmm. So then the police came, and then they tried, like, call and text him. We'd called his friends and family to, like, try to get them to get a hold of him, and he wasn't responsive. So finally the police knocked down the front door, and then they went inside, and they found him upstairs in our closet. But, so yeah. Then they came back down the stairs, told me, and it was... I don't know how to explain the feeling, but it was just like, well, fuck, this is, like, it happened. Like, he he finally, like, reached his breaking point. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't leave a note, so there was no note, there was no anything. The only thing that he had left was a text the night before to Evie, because I, like, texted him again, was like, hey, Evie loves you. And then he responded back, "Um, daddy loves you, princess. And that was... Sorry. The last text that he ever mm-hmm. sent. <laughs> I'm over here crying too, so. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I can't, I mean, like I said, I can't, no, I can't imagine, like, especially having a daughter, you know, I, yeah, it, it's not just you that's affected by this, you know, right. this is something that she's going to grow up and have to, right, this is what happened to her dad, and that's, unfortunately, I feel like when people when people commit suicide, they don't think of that. They think of the moment. They think of right now. Right. And they don't think of how is this going to affect my family in the long run? Mm-hmm. How is this going to affect my daughter as she grows up and has difficulties of her own? You know what I mean? And right. is this going to be in her head? Like, you know, and that's what I think. I had another friend whose dad killed killed himself, and that was always her thing. Well, why didn't he stay for me? Right. And that's something that I think, unfortunately, in the moment, they're not thinking about and they're just thinking well it's better off and that's what he's always said like right. like Carlos said you'll be better off without me but right. you know obviously that's not the case so like you said when you said okay like he succeeded what was kind of your next like were you angry were you just sad were you numb kind of like, um I was definitely numb there was um a song that I played on repeat for probably a month. Like, I didn't listen to any other song. It was, um, fuck, Scared to be Lonely. Mm-hmm. And if you ever listen to the song, that's literally mine and Carlos's relationship. Like, we, when we were together, it was just, like, terrible. But we were so scared to be alone that we just, like, continued in this toxic environment. And instead of getting help or anything, we just festered until mm-hmm. one of us broke. Right. Um, I didn't, like I said, his friends and family weren't ever super supportive. So when we did the funeral and everything, I wasn't really welcome at the funeral. So I never, um, until probably a year ago, I never really got to feel like closure or okay about it. Mm-hmm. Because everyone was mad that I was at the funeral and everyone blamed me for what had happened. Which, like it was a terrible relationship, but... He, he made a he choice. He made a choice, and, and like I said, can't make that choice for him. Right, and like you said, it's not something, it's not like it was new. This has been, had been going on for years. So obviously this is something, you know, that he was dealing with within himself, and I think that that, what your guys' relationship, how it ended, was just kind of the icing on the cake. Yeah. And he would probably, I'm sure he would say that himself. Like, it wasn't all on you, you right. know? And that's, again, it's just the stigma of people 
who don't want to reach out for help, people that do commit suicide and their families don't know how to react because of that, because right. of the blame and the shame that everybody puts on them. And that's when they need your support the most because right. obviously you were broken and you were trying to figure it out. Right. So all this stuff was going through your head and you had no support from the people that should have been supporting you. Right. What about with his family? Were they the same way with you? Just kind of shut you out? Yeah, like so his when mom? his mom first, so after the police went in, his mom got there like shortly after they came outside and told me that he had mm-hmm. been successful. She, I remember her like looking at me and telling me, you can't blame yourself. Like we can't blame ourselves for that. And that was like the first and only time I'd ever heard anything like that mm. from her. But then after that, like her actions and words toward everyone else didn't support what she had said. It's like she believed that at first, but as people's voices yeah. in her ear, she she changed. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't really know. We still don't really have a great relationship with them, mm-hmm. but and that's just because I've set boundaries and right. am a healthier person now. So that's why. Yeah. So you said your daughter was two. Well, I guess let's first talk about your best friend. So you said twenty days later, she ended up committing suicide as well. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about her and? Kind of what do you think happened in that whole situation? Okay, so I met Kylie, like, around the same time that I met Carlos. And as soon as we met, it was just, like, instant connection. Like, mm-hmm. she was seriously one of the funnest people I've ever met. She, like, could laugh at anything, could make anyone laugh. She was always, like, hopping and skipping around and doing her little Kylie shit. And she always struggled with, like, the Mormon religion and feeling wanted and accepted. Mm-hmm. And I remember I am not any religion. I Mm -hmm. just accept people for who they are. And that's Mm -hmm. what I fully believe is do you and be you 110% and do whatever makes you happy. That's religion. Do religion. If that's like whatever it is, do that. But she was raised LDS. She like anytime she would date a boy, if she didn't meet certain standards, like she was considered undesirable or unwanted. But then Mm -hmm. when she would like drink or smoke or like party then she felt she was like guilty Mm. for it so she never could find like the medium a happy medium for herself and where she would feel like full and complete and we would like weekly we would like go on drives and like pick sunflowers and like talk about how she should just how she wanted to feel whole and complete and like she belongs somewhere Mm -hmm. and so I just think a lifetime of that just ended took a toll on her yeah um, can you tell us a bit, like, what happened with her? How did you find out? And... Well, so she was actually living in Hawaii, and so after Carlos had committed suicide, she came back for a week and, like, visited and stayed with me, and when she went back, we would, like, text every day, and, like, I remember her sending me pictures from my Instagram from, like, years before, and she'd mm-hmm. be like, I love this day, just mm-hmm. weird things, and so then I would give her some love, be like, oh girl, yeah, that was a great day, love you, miss you, Yeah, hope everything's great, and she would always send me like a picture and a big long text or paragraphs about how much she loved me and how, mm-hmm. our, how much our friendship meant to her. Looking back now, I'm like, oh, that those were signs of her right. like expressing her love to everyone and then choosing to end her life, but because Carlos had just committed suicide I thought she was like being comforting and like right. loving and supportive so I wish in the moment that I would have realized and could have offered her some more support or like mm-hmm. right. something but yeah I remember so this is crazy so it was the morning of February 27th mm-hmm. and I had this dream so I'm in bed 
I don't even think it was a dream. It was so fucking real. It was mm-hmm. insane. So I'm laying in bed, and all of a sudden my eyes open, and Carlos is standing next to my bed. And he's trying to, he's like saying something, but it's like muffled and weird, like something was over his mouth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And he like, get, he like kept getting closer to me and like trying to say something. And then his hands are waving and he's like making these gestures and like talking to me. And I'm like, babe, I, I can't understand you. Like, what are you saying to me? And then all of a sudden I like woke up in real life. And then I just had like a really weird, uneasy feeling. And I remember I went to the gym and as I was leaving the gym, I called Kylie and she didn't answer. And then I texted her. And I, it didn't like say red, it didn't say anything. So I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. So then I text a few other people that I knew talk to her every day. I'm like, hey, have you heard from Kylie? Have you heard anything? What's going on? Again, you kind of just felt this. Yeah, I had just this, yeah. And it was like the same feeling that I had with Carlos. So I was just like super anxious and like panicking. panicking. And then I'm like, is it just because Carlos is so fresh still? Like, right. Well, then I got a call and my feeling was confirmed that Kylie had hung herself that morning at 6.30 when I had woke up from oh that dream gosh. with Carlos. Wow. So it's like he was, like, trying to tell me, like, what had happened. Warn you, yeah. Yeah, so um, Evie was actually at Carlos's mom's house because I dropped her off there before the gym, and I just, like, went over and picked her up and just took her home with me because mm-hmm. I just needed her. But, yeah, then they flew body back, and then we had the funeral for... It was here. Yeah, so her okay. funeral is here because her family and everyone is here. Okay. But she was living in Hawaii. Wow. So, I mean, 20 days, this is like two of the most important <laughs> oh people gosh. in your life. Yeah. After Kylie did it, what was then at that point, Some like I'm sure you had a million and ten thoughts, kind of what was going on feeling-wise? Were you really struggling with your mental health at that point? So I went to a dark place, and I'm the kind of person that when I need help, I'm getting better now. And Minaz can attest to this. Like, what I'm struggling now, I'm like, I'm struggling. I'm triggered. I need people around. But mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who, when I'm struggling, don't fucking talk to me. Mm-hmm. Don't touch Shut me. Down. Don't be with me. Don't turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I just want to be alone. Yeah, so, after I found out about Kylie, then I went home with Evie. And I remember my mom and sister just, like, showed up at my house. And my friends just started showing up because they know that about me. That when I'm sad or... Yeah, and they're not going to hear from you. Yeah, they won't hear from me. So I would literally just have people show up at my house. And my friends always have keys and codes to my house so they can just come mm-hmm. in anytime. Mm-hmm. So they would, like, come grab Evie. They would, like, bring me snacks. And probably for, like, two months I wasn't eating because I just mm-hmm. was like, what's the point? Like, And then I was, like, mad at myself because I'm, like, two people that I know – totally and completely like we would have conversations that they wouldn't have with anyone else how they felt about themselves and like their mental health and so I was like why did two of these people like why are they gone why wasn't I able to do something why wasn't I enough to Mm -hmm. stop them from doing that and then that's also when I decided to just like go head on into like weightlifting and bodybuilding and do a competition and that's when I met my best friend now and business partner Minaz and I literally would just go to the gym and like cry as I was like lifting. And I and it was the only time that I felt anything besides like sadness. And I would take my daughter with me and she would go to kid care and then I would go and like lift or do whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then like becoming stronger at the gym, I was like, no, my body is physically strong. 
but my mind is like pathetically weak. Mm-hmm. Did you at that point? Do you think like did you start having thoughts of suicide? I did. Or, yeah. This is how we always say it at my work because I'm a crisis worker. Mm-hmm. We ask people and kind of do an evaluation of if they're suicidal. Did you want to kill yourself? Did you want to commit suicide, or was it if a bus comes and hits me, I'd be happy? I craved to see Carlos, and I craved to see Kylie, and I wanted to like see them, hear them, feel them. And I was like, the only way that I will be able to do that is if I'm dead. Mm-hmm. So I like was started thinking about it more, but then I was like, uh, do, but I don't. And then I was like, no, I do want to kill myself because like I'm in so much pain. Mm-hmm. Don't want to feel it. But then it was like so much pain that it was also numb pain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can relate yeah. to that, but, yeah. um, there was one. So then I moved home. So I moved back to Idaho. Okay. To be like closer to my mom and my, I was living with my sister. And I remember there was one night that I was laying in bed and I like had decided, I was like, no, I'm just, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to kill myself. That's it. So I like sat up in bed and I like put my feet over the bed and I turned around and looked and Evie was in bed with me and she like smirked. And um, as soon as she smirked, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like, if I leave, she has, no, has no one. Like, she has no one to, like, be her mom and show her how to, like, live and be. Mm-hmm. And growing up, like, I never felt super loved or super supported in mm-hmm. anything I did. And I just, like, had all these feelings and thoughts. And I was like, I can't leave her here. Because her whole life she'll be wondering why she wasn't good enough for, for both of you, both of us to like raise her and want her. Mm-hmm. So I laid my ass back down, held her, and then I was like, no, from here on out, like, I'm going to speak about this. I'm going to talk about this. Like, this is not okay that people feel this way and don't think that there's anything. That there's nothing they can do and they yeah. have the support for it. Exactly. So... That was, like, my, I say, like, my mental growth. Because Mm -hmm. from then on, I was, like, no, I need to be strong, not only for myself, but for my daughter, for my family, for my friends. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to find outlets for them. I need to find outlets for myself. So then I just started, like, I didn't even know what to look for. So I just Googled suicide. Yeah. And then it pulled up, like, the suicide um, lifeline. It pulled up Mm -hmm. American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. It pulled up, like, all these groups that you could go to. So then I just started, like, going. Going to the support groups? Yeah. So I just started going to all of these support groups and doing all this stuff. And then while this was happening, I was still, like, in prep for my bodybuilding competition. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that the gym saved my life because it, like, helped me become stronger and then realized that, like, I had to make, like, a mental shift and become mentally Mm -hmm. stronger to, like, so you were changing and getting stronger from inside out. Yes. Yeah. Literally, like, my entire body went through a, a giant transformation. And then a year later is when uh, I went to Minas with the idea of clone. And that's one of the reasons behind, like, our clone tribe mm-hmm. is that we band together these fierce, confident, strong, bold individuals that, like, support and lift one another up. Mm-hmm. Like, not only in the gym, but, like, mentally. Because you can't you're stronger in a group than you are by yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So even those who don't like to talk about it, because I can attest to that, because I never used to, 
I was always like, no, I don't cry at shit. No, yeah. I don't talk about shit. Like, I'm a strong, independent woman. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you won't see me cry. You won't see yeah. me break down. And now I, like, cry at the drop of a fucking hat. Like, yeah. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like, and then, so when other people tell me that, I'm like, no, let people see you cry. Yeah. Let people see you be raw and real and, like, feel your truth. Right. And that's why, like, for me, when I started this, it was that. Because I'm like you. My old therapist used to tell me this. My best friends, like... I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk about, I mean, people didn't know that this happened to me until I came out with this podcast. People, I remember when I came out with it, were like, I've known you for 10 years and I never knew. I mean, to yeah. me, because I'm my whole life and never mm-hmm. knew that any of this had happened exactly. until I came out with it. And it was because the same way I was just like, that's not how I deal with things. I step it under the rug. I don't deal with it. And at some point something broke and I'm not, you know, I'll have to talk about this, but something broke where I was like, no, I need to make a difference and change this. And that's why it's so important for me to talk to people like you because I want to end the stigma of yes. you're not strong by holding it all in. Mm-hmm. Being strong is by being able to come talk about it, be raw about it, be real about it, cry about it, let people know it hurts and it sucks. But I mean, look how amazing you're doing now. And I mean, I met your daughter at my event and she's just like the ray of sunshine <laughs> just, in the room. Like, I don't even know how to explain her. Like her and my daughter, like, I want her to be best friends. <laughs> so there, she's just like the cutest thing. And it's not fair to her mm-hmm. because losing her dad, that like I said, that's hard for her to understand. And it makes me sad with knowing that those are those are thoughts that she's going to have to deal with. But the, what's going to change it is having somebody like you as her mom mm-hmm. and having the support that she has. Of being like, yes, you're right. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be pissed. It's okay to be angry at him and ask him and talk to him or however you need to do to cope with it. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's to teach her forgiveness of like mm-hmm. in her heart of not holding that heaviness. I feel like just based on what you've said, that's what you had to do. You had to kind of get to the point of not being angry, not being more of like forgiving and learning how to take the next step with this exactly. and using it for good. And I just think that's amazing. So working out, like you said, was kind of a huge coping skill for you. And that's what saved your life. How do you deal with it now? I mean, like, especially in times like this when it's Suicide Awareness Month or when you hear somebody commit suicide and stuff like that. Like, what are kind of your thoughts with the whole with the whole thing now? Is it still triggering or how do you deal with it? Um, I wouldn't say it's triggering. I'm definitely super empathetic for anyone going through it mm-hmm. and... Um, I have a lot of people that reach out to me. I reach out to people if I if I they post something that I'm like a little sketchy. Mm, that's mm-hmm. kind of like borderline, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like seeking help. Yeah. Kind of stuff. yeah. But like, so for me personally, if I'm down, I let my people know. I'm like, hey, I'm triggered. I'm sad. Mm-hmm. I'm angry. I I need you to know that I'm going through this and I'm trying to like be better. So. Just last week, this happened to me. So I let my boyfriend know. I was like, hey, babe, I'm triggered, struggling. I text Minaz, Minaz, I'm triggered and I'm struggling. So if I seem distant, if I seem angry, if I seem out of my normal, joyful, happy, Mm -hmm. go lucky, give a fuck about what anyone has to say self, Mm -hmm. it's this is why. So then for a couple days, I will be my like loner self. And then I'm like, no, okay, I have to get out of the funk. Like, I mm-hmm. get out. I go to the gym. I, like, change my eating. I eat my green beans and tuna fish every day because mm-hmm. that's, like, my one meal that I <laughs> love to eat. Like, help me be happy, healthy. Right. And then 
I make sure they spend all the time with Evie. I make sure that I see Minaz. Like, last week, Minaz was like, hey, let's hang out. And for a couple days, I was like, mm, no, it's fine. And then finally, I was like, yes, come over. And yeah. she just, like, went grocery shopping with me, and we just, like, yeah. hung out, did things. And I was like, yeah, I need that. So yeah. I would say just being honest about how I'm feeling and, like, mm-hmm. recognizing it, allowing myself to feel it, and then doing something about it yeah. is how I help myself. So then when people come to me and tell me, I'm like, awesome. Well, not awesome, but, like, yeah, glad that you can confess. Yeah. Like, trust me enough to come to me with this. Feel it. It's okay to not be okay. Right, and that's what I was just going to say. I mean, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you have those days where you're just like, this sucks. Like when you, and I'm sure when you really think about it, it comes up and you're just like, wow, I've been through a lot of shit, you yeah. know? And <laughs> it makes, you know, makes those feelings come up again. And that's what I tell people. Like, it is okay to be, to cry and yes. just be angry. And, you know, I'm dealing with this stuff right now with core again with my, you know, old stepdad. And it's like, I'm pissed sometimes. I'm yeah. just like, why is this happening? What's going on? What, you know, you just do not understand. But then sometimes like the only way to survive it is by letting yourself feel it. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, get yourself back up and reach out to people, ask for help, reach out to your friends and family and be like, guys, I need that extra love right now because right. that's sometimes all you need is just that extra love and support from people. Exactly. So my question is for people who I think have dealt with this and lost people to suicide, how did you get the closure with Carlos and with Kylie? Did you have to do something? How? What was the kind of the process um, of that? So, I started to read a lot of books, and, um, well, because death is such a weird thing, like, Mm -hmm. honestly, no one knows what the fuck happens after you die, so, like, I was struggling with it, so I was like, are you dead and that's it? Is it, like, the Christian religion where you're, like, in purgatory if you kill yourself, so then you just, like, relive, they, like, relive that moment over and over of dying? Right. So, I just started reading, and the first book I read was Many Lives, Many Masters, and it's Mm -hmm. about reincarnation, and that book changed my total perception of everything and I read the follow-up book to it and then I read a couple other ones like I read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck Mm -hmm. um and I would recommend that book to literally everyone because not only for like your mental health but like in life in general it's an amazing book and then I started going to counseling I started being very open with counseling because my whole life I was like no you only go to counseling if you're like Crazy, crazy. Yeah, yeah, like if you're a fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's like this weird taboo stigma thing. Yeah, like, and that's like, what I was actually just gonna ask you: is did you go to therapy? Absolutely. That, that I, I mean, people ask me all the time about medication and therapy, and I am huge pro for both of those. And I'm like, those two things. I'm not saying you need to be hyped up on medication, right? But if you need an antidepressant or something to get you through those moments, it's okay. Absolutely. You know, personally, antidepressants for me, it numbed me so much mm-hmm. that I didn't like it right. because I was like no I want to feel this so I can feel this and move past and it yep. because when I was on the medications I like you're numb so right. you're good and right. I like, put that in quotes because yeah. you're just like existing yeah so then as soon as you're not on those then you have it like is tenfold that you're feeling, feeling all, of, all over again. all of the things again so like mm-hmm. you're never really progressing and that's just me personally right like, yeah I'm a huge advocate. If you need them, mm-hmm. use them. Because, yeah, sometimes Absolutely. some people, they don't make you completely numb. Some people, they do. Yes. And I've had both experiences. So exactly. So, for me personally, I just like to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But therapy and, like, worked. Yes. And therapy absolutely worked. And at first, I remember, and even my boyfriend. So, like I said, I used to, like, not talk about my feelings. And before I went to therapy, because I was like, no, I can't go to therapy. I'm not a crazy person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Davis would sit my ass on the couch, and we would sit in silence for three hours until I would say something. He's like, no, we're going to sit here until you're ready to talk. Oh, and he would, like, 
play with my hair. He would, like, give me massages. He would just sit in silence. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I would just, like, sit there and try not to cry Mm -hmm. until finally I was like, okay, and then word vomit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I could word vomit with him, then I started going to a counselor and would word vomit Mm -hmm. there. And then slowly, like, they teach you tools and, like, teach you how to be better. Right. And then Davis and I started doing couples counseling, which helped me, too, because, like, I said with Carlos, I'd never knew how to have a good, healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. I'd never been shown that growing up. I'd never been taught that, like, cheating was always okay because, like, that. I just, just feel like, yeah, yeah, that's just, like, what you did. And, like, you just got slapped on the wrist and you would get back together with your person. And then after going to counseling and seeing that, like, I'm damaged goods mm-hmm. and, like, learning how to, like, fix that and build that. And now it's crazy because I have, like, a totally different outlook and perspective on the world and, like, now when I know someone needs to talk, I do what Davis used to do to me where I will just sit in silence. Mm-hmm. And most of the time I'll stare at them. Mm-hmm. I'll just sit there. Like I won't do anything until they open up their talk. Yeah. Yeah. And so counseling helped me. The people in my life helped me. So I just, you want to be surrounded by those mm-hmm. who recognize you and know you well enough to like. Lift you up. When yeah. Down. Right. And then medication if you need and counseling. I think everyone in the world should do. Yeah, I mean, like you said, counseling is such a, like you said, taboo subject of people thinking, well, you only do that if you're crazy or if you have these major issues. But, I mean, sometimes if you just need to talk, like, it's a great resource of just being like, look, you're an outside source, so you don't really know too much about me, Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to tell you everything that's going on, and they're going to basically just tell you the truth and let you know, like, what they think from the outside in. And sometimes it's nice because it's like, oh. Okay, well, you don't know me, but you still think that. So, okay, yeah. maybe I do need a change in this Reach area. Well, yeah. And then it's cool, too, because after you start going to your counselor and they do know you, like, they're able to, like... Call you out. Yeah. They're yeah. like, no, you're full of fucking shit, yeah. Alex. <laughs> like, no. My therapist has done yeah. that all the time. She'll be like, really? That, that's really what you think? And just look at me and like, shut up. No, it's not. No, yeah. it's not. No, you're right. I'm full of shit right now. <laughs> but I, that's why I think it's amazing. So, and then you said about a year ago, is that when you... Was about the time that you had the closure with him? Yeah, I would say like, so. When I just was finally like, it's not my fault. You did and what you had to do. Yeah. Grief is a crazy weird thing. Like, mm-hmm. people say that there's the steps of grief, and then they make it seem like as soon as you go through the steps that it's over and that you've grieved and there's closure. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like, I will just it say that. It comes and goes, I'm sure. And it comes and goes. Like, sometimes I'll go through all of the stages in a day. Sometimes I'll just be angry all day one day. Sometimes I'll just be really sad. And other days I feel, like, really good. And then, so it just depends. And because of counseling and because of the people in my life, I recognize those signs mm-hmm. in myself. To call yourself out. To call myself out and be like, no, you're in this step of the grieving process, and I will probably deal with it my entire life. I was just going to say, it's probably never going to end, no. unfortunately. It's just the same thing as when you've been abused or that victim thing. Like, yeah, I can, you can heal, but it's still going to have its moments where it's exactly. going to come back, and it's going to trigger you, and something's going to have those feelings, or a smell. I'm sure you yes. smell things that remind you of them. See things, things like that that you don't even realize are going to trigger you, and then you're like, holy crap, where did that come yes, from? Yes, exactly. But I would just say that it's okay to feel the things again. And, like, when I feel them now, they're definitely not as intense Intense. as they were when it first happened. But, like, Mm -hmm. I still feel them. I still allow myself to feel them. I, whenever I used to have thoughts of Kylie or Carlos, I would kind of just, like, suppress them and I didn't want to have them. Mm -hmm. But now when I do, I will 
like if I'm with someone then I'm like, oh my God, I just had this memory of Carlos or I just had this memory of Kylie. Oh, this reminds me of them. So like mm-hmm. out loud, I'm like mm-hmm. putting them into the universe yeah. to like, and that helps me too. And not just like keep to like remember them too yeah. as well. You don't want to forget them because they were exactly. important, important people in your life. And so when Carlos first died, I was adamant. So, um, I didn't, because Evie was so young, she, I didn't let her see him in the casket mm-hmm. and she wasn't, uh, I didn't put her, like didn't let her go into the viewing room at all mm-hmm. until the casket was closed. And then I just told her that daddy was dead. And now when we talk about it, because I, well, so I'm with Davis now and we've been dating two years and Evie calls Davis daddy. And so we are starting to introduce Carlos and like talk about Carlos with Evie. And so we'll say that uh, Davis is your second daddy. Your first daddy was here and he loved you and he is no longer here. Does she ask where he is? Does she ask um, for that process? Because dealing with death as a kid is probably yeah. a totally different animal. So like I said, we're not religious, so we just kind of leave it. And when she asks questions, we'll answer for her. So she did ask like where he was and so I've just said that he's in heaven. Okay. So, like, your first daddy is in heaven, mm-hmm. and then your second daddy is here. And yeah. I let her know that both of them loved her. Mm-hmm. And then um, one thing that I did after Carlos had killed himself is I wrote a journal. Mm-hmm. And then I had a journal the in- for our entire relationship, and it has details of literally how I treated him, how he treated me, how his family treated me. Like, mm-hmm. everything is just raw, real in those. And so as soon as she is old enough, and able to understand it, then I will give her those journals. And then I also have the journal after he died leading up, and I still write in it today. Mm-hmm. So just my, the whole process of it, because I want her, I want to be very honest with her, because one thing with death and suicide is I feel like people put um, those who have passed away and killed themselves on like a pedestal, like they never did anything wrong when they were here. Mm-hmm. And I just want her to know like our, the backstory yeah, the full story. yeah, so that's what I've done for Evie, and like same thing with Kylie. Like Kylie's mentioned in there because she was a huge part of our life, and Evie, I we talk about suicide with Evie, and like we talk about her feelings. Like if she's mad or angry, I'm always like, "Babe, tell me why." Mm-hmm. Like talk to me about your feelings. We don't hold anything in. You don't like. You don't have to do that. Right. And so it's cool because if she's mad, if she's sad, if she's like anything, she's like, "Mom." I'm this. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to talk about it? And if she says yes, then we talk about it. If she says no, then I'm like, babe, I'm sorry you're feeling that way. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry that you feel that. Right. Like, you won't feel like this forever. Yeah. And if she wants to talk about it, then most times she's mad because she left her toy in the car and we're inside. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. they're so, like. They're probably they're so small, yeah. but it's teaching them the tools to exactly. deal with big problems. Because I'm the same with my, with my children. It's telling them, like, hey, I pick up my son from school. I could tell you're upset. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah. And if he doesn't want to talk about it, then he won't. But if he does, then it's, I instantly notice the difference when he talks about it because it's like off their shoulder. Yes. They're not holding it in. They're not trying. And even if like I say something that hurts his feelings or my husband does, whatever it is, it's taught, it's taught them both to be like, Hey, dad, I don't like the way you said that. Or mom, I don't like you. You hurt my feelings when you did this. Mm -hmm. And it's like I said, it's teaching them the tools as things actually happen as they get older and real life kind of comes in. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, so I, like I said, that was kind of my next thing was kind of how Evie's reaction was. So I'm glad that you guys talked to her about it and are open with her about everything. And does she ask to see, like, go 
do you guys visit him or is it kind of just she's good with her new dad or like where that doesn't need to happen um, yet? I honestly don't think she realizes that because she was so young that I don't think she knows that there's a difference between Carlos and Davis yet, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And Davis is such a good father to her that mm-hmm. he like loves her unconditionally and like you would never know that she wasn't his, which is right. crazy to me. I didn't know that. Yeah. Until, until I found out your story, and I was like, oh, so that guy wasn't her dad. Yeah, I and it's crazy, that. too, because they look Yeah, they look like so they could similar. Be. <laughs> oh, my God, and they act the same. So I'm just like, you too. It's so weird. <laughs> it's the heaven genes, I'm telling you. Yeah, so, sure. no, she, and when she does ask, like, and I'll try to, like, mention him or, like, bring him up. Like, if it crosses my mind. But other than that, I'm like, she needs to know. I don't want her to dwell on that her dad left her here. Right. Because I feel like if we just focused on him, then starting right now, she would never feel good enough ever. Right. In her life. Mm-hmm. And where, like, Davis and I and all of the people in her life love her and, like, talk to her about how fucking great she is all the time. Like, mm-hmm. she has the most confidence I've ever seen in the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. So... <laughs> Like, That's why I said her and Preston need to be friends, because yeah. they're the same way. Yeah, so like, I just, no fear. <laughs> we talk about him if she asks, and then, like, if she sees a picture of him, because, like, at my mom's house and my sister's house, Carlos and I were together for, so, right. so, eight years, like, there's pictures of him everywhere, like, we have our wedding pictures and everything, so, if, and now when she sees him, she's like, oh, that's my first daddy, or that's yeah. my daddy that's in heaven. And then, I think that's great because, like you said, you don't want to dwell on it. You don't want her to have those thoughts of, like, why did he leave? But it's something where it's, like, she'll never forget him. Yeah. Well, I mean, she doesn't remember him as much, but she'll always know of him. Yeah. And know that he was her dad, but Davis is her daddy. And the only reason why, like, I've seen that my own, like, my own personal experiences because, so my cousin, um, when she was three years old, my uncle, um got in a car accident and died when she was three years old. They were going through a divorce, kind of a crazy thing. And um, so my cousin was, like I said, she was only three, doesn't remember him hardly at all. But my uncle has raised her her entire life. Right. And so that is her dad. Like, there's no doubt about it. About it. She knows that her, I mean, now she knows that she's an adult, but right. she's always known that she had a dad and he died, but she, you know, has her dad and that's what, that's all that matters. Right. She has that father figure in her life and that's, so she doesn't have that emptiness. You right. know what I mean? And I think that's great because he's, he's going to always be there for her. And even exactly. if like worst case scenario, you guys weren't together, that bond with them will never break. Exactly. And that's what's, that's what's amazing with it. Um, so with you and Davis, last, you know, a couple more questions is how, like you said, your relationship has gotten better with therapy and stuff like that. At first, when this all happened, do you, did you kind of have a really hard time having a relationship? Or yes. were you already pretty, like, healed by then? No, absolutely not. Okay. So, um, six months after Carlos had killed himself, I started dating Davis. And okay. I've known Davis since third grade. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then he and I reconnected. And when we first moved there, like I said, I didn't know how you were supposed to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, I never knew that you are supposed to, like, totally confide in your person and like Mm -hmm. they're supposed to like help you through literally everything like your emotional baggage your physical bag like everything right and so at first I wasn't fully I don't even know if it's committed or I didn't fully trust Mm -hmm. anyone and because my relationship with Carlos like I could never trust him with like my emotional shit because he didn't care to Mm -hmm. know about my emotional stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so Davis, like I said, he would sit me on the couch for 
hours and be like, tell me everything there is to know about you. Like, I want to know, like, what makes you sad. I want to know what makes you happy. I want to talk about the Carlos thing. Like, I want to know everything. And so, like, it was really hard for me at first. To like, open that. To open that because, no, you don't get to know me. Yeah. Like, you get to know this me. This is all very, stuff that's, like, yeah, too much. I've suppressed a lot of shit in my yeah. life. And I'm not about to, like, dig it up and yeah. get it out because... Can't no one handle that. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> so the first six months of our relationship was really hard because, like, I didn't fully confide in him with my, like, emotions and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then after then, like, that's, like, six months in is when we started doing our couples therapy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it helped tremendously. Like, she talked about, like, open communication and that you have to, like, trust your person and all of this stuff. Put all the perspective of, like, this is how an actual yes. healthy relationship is yes. supposed to be. Maybe the tools it's kind of worked towards. Exactly. Okay. So, and now I could not be with anyone besides Davis. Mm-hmm. Like, I... You're fully committed. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, like, he sometimes recognizes when I'm triggered before I even do, where he's like, hey, <laughs> so... Yeah. You said this, you did this, you moved this way, like, you left this here, like, what's... What's going on? What's going on? Which is subconsciously, sometimes you don't even realize it's happening. And I, you know, know from experience too, is like that does happen very often. Is something will trigger you and that you don't realize until a couple days later, and then you're like, oh, I guess I, I guess that was triggering because I'm having dreams about it and things like that suppress in other ways. So it's cool that I have him, Mm -hmm. and then like I'm able to be that for him too. So if I notice something that I'm like, hey, right, this, this, and this. So like it's really cool to have your person and, like, mm-hmm. the people in your corner who know you so well that they can, like, help right. get you out of. Did, when now, like, whenever things come up about Carlos or even Kylie, are you still able to talk about it with him and be, like, and cry about Carlos? Oh, yeah. Do all that, and he's just completely 100% mm-hmm. supportive. That's amazing. At first, so it's crazy because when you first hear about, like, mine and Carlos's relationship and you, like, dive in and get all, like, the terrible details of it, right. it Davis had a really hard time with it because it was so bad, so bad that he was like, what the, what, (laughs) this happens? Like, what the hell? And so like, at first he had a hard time with it. And so I think that's also why I had a hard time opening up because I'm like, he's just going to get more angry the more that I tell him about it. But it was more of like, he became more understanding and accepting the Mm -hmm. more that I told him. More you opened up. Yeah. So, and now whenever we talk about it, it's. Like, how we're talking right now. Like, it's very casual. It's, it's very open. It's very, like, there's no judgment. There's no anything. Yeah. It's yeah. just say what you need to say. If you And then Talk he is good, too, because he's like, do you need my opinion? Do you need to vent? Do you need, like, what do you need, what do you need, with, you this? need with this? Yeah, because sometimes you do just want him to be quiet and let you just yeah. tell him about just, it. Just, and then <laughs> other times, like, I don't want your opinion. <laughs> okay. yeah. No, I have to tell my husband, like, I'm going to tell you something, but I don't need a comment. Yeah. I'm just going to bitch for a second. I just need you to listen. Just nod your head. <laughs> yeah. Just agree with me, and then we'll be good. <laughs> and yeah. then later, when I'm calmed down, you can tell me and you disagree yeah. with me. Yeah. But, um, okay, well, so last thing, I just wanted to ask you if you, I want you to give my listeners some advice on what to do, one, if somebody that they know is contemplating suicide and talking about suicide and giving kind of signs of that. What do you suggest they they should do? Um. Well, I would suggest that they need to let that person know that they are there. 
And if they can't be there for them, then they need to direct them to someone or direct them to, like, the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. Mm -hmm. There are tools, there are lifelines, there are things there that people can help them. Right. Because that's something with, like, mental health and suicide is anytime I, before I talk to someone, like, if I'm struggling, I'm like, do you have the mental capacity Mm-hmm. To take in what I'm to about this. to tell you. Right. Because most time if I'm struggling and someone else is struggling, it's fucking heavy. Yeah. And it has a toll on you as a person. Even if you, even if you don't think it does, right. it does. So first, if someone comes to you, recognize in yourself if you have the mental capacity to take that on. And if... Just help them. Yeah. It. And if you do, then help them walk through it. Like... Lead them to, like, the lifeline. Lead them to the helpline. Like, there are so many things that you can, like, look up, do, and say. And there are some things that you shouldn't say. And on my Facebook and on my Instagram, I always, like, post, like, these articles that... So I would say follow me so that you could, like, see them. Yeah. Or follow American Foundation of Suicide Prevention because they literally post six times a day all of these different coping and how to help people. Resources. Like, it's just crazy. So... Be open and willing to help them, and if you can't help them, then show find them. Find somebody who Find will. someone that can, like, help them. Right. And if they come to you, don't just be like, ooh, that's Don't awesome. just brush it off. Yeah, don't just brush it off because they came to you either because they trusted you, and even if they don't trust you, they're telling someone because... They're at that point where they're, they're just desperate. They're, they're desperate. Right. So I would say don't take it is just like a, oh, they're just being dramatic right. kind of thing. Because even if someone has, like, tried multiple times or, like, you're like, oh, this is just another, like, attention thing. Like, treat it like the real thing every time. Well, attention-seeking is because they're needing, like you said, they're desperate. Yes. They're needing that help. So they may be attention-seeking, but eventually it's going to add up. Yes. It's going to add up until mm-hmm. they do have their breaking point. Exactly. So I would just say be there. If you can't be there, then direct them to an outlet or someone that can help them. Right. Okay. Uh, what about to an actual person who has those thoughts? Um, themselves. So what I would say is someone who actually has those thoughts. Well, for me personally, like I said, when I'm that low, I don't like to be around anyone. So mm-hmm. if someone comes to you, then you just need to go and be there. Like be, cause like physical interact. Well, like, and even just presence, like right. someone's presence next to you. You're not going to fucking kill yourself if it's your friend sitting next to you, if right. your mom's sitting next to you, if your sister or your dog. You know what I mean? Like, Be so, in the community. Yes. Yeah, so if someone comes to you, if you can, like, call them, FaceTime them, or and if you can, like, go be with them mm-hmm. because they just need, like, the interaction. They need to feel the presence of, like, good, happy energy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Don't have, don't go somewhere that's going to bring you down more. Yeah. Go someone, so go to something that's going to lift you up. Like if I'm feeling depressed, I'm not going to go to my depressed friend's house and be like, let's sit here and be depressed together. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you're, you go to somebody that's going to lift you up and exactly. pull you out of that. So, well, Alex, thank you so much for coming. And that was, that was a rough one. I had all these, I think that's the first <laughs> one I cried out with the guests. I was like, but I was holding it together because I was like inside, like kind of like ball in my throat like I'm really starting like trying not to quiver right now and like start bawling but like I said you've been through a lot and I mean you're just amazing and you've been through so much and you you're doing amazing and you have this you know clothing line which is so cool and um, like I said you guys it is clone apparel that is k-l-o-n and we are actually going to be uh, partnering up in like the next couple weeks 
and I will be letting you guys know what my promo code will be and you can get a discount on some apparel. Um, best leggings ever, squat proof, like, I mean, I'm sure you see my pictures, I've got a big butt. They are not see-through. Huge thing for me because I have a really hard time finding those. Um, so check her page out, Clone Apparel, and thank you so much for coming and I appreciate it. And you guys, we will be doing an episode a week this month. So each episode will be bringing awareness to suicide. So make sure you check it out. Thanks.